You may have noticed, and if you aren't going to notice, I'm gonna point it out first thing, that I'm wearing a collared shirt today, and not one of the red tinted shirts that we've been wearing the past several days. For those of you who watched my Monday video, I started a new company called Red Tinted that is selling conservative red tinted clothing. I don't wanna make it political necessarily, even though it is. Um, I prefer the term based. And if you're familiar with the term based, you know exactly what I mean. Red tinted makes based clothing. However, today I put out a tweet and I got about 500 visits in less than an hour. And uh, long story short, we have no supply. We expect to have supply by early next week at the latest. It's possible late this week over the weekend that we're gonna have supply, but we're gonna say early next week at the latest. Uh, we're using virtually entirely US-based supply chains. And hopefully that means we can get things going quickly, but we will see and we will see. Now back to the markets because if you've been following the strategies of this channel, today was a very interesting day. Um, my personal portfolio was up, but that doesn't mean we didn't have a very interesting day. So the price per barrel was down quite strongly. And for those of you that are familiar with the strategies of this channel, we're heavily weighted in energy stocks. The price per barrel, you know, getting right down to that $80 floor we believe and still continue to believe is the floor, even though it may not be the absolute floor. We may, you know, kind of go to like 79 and change and hopefully bounce back, but you know, we'll see. Not saying nothing is 100% certain, but that is what I continue to believe. The price per barrel of energy was down big. However, the stocks significantly outperformed that price per barrel. I view this as an overall optimistic thing. I have yet to pin down exactly what the decline was. Maybe there's some inventory data that came out. However, I believe as we have seen throughout our entire time watching energy, that many of these declines uh, aren't fundamental and don't aren't really relevant to the price per barrel of oil or the overall trajectory on where the price per barrel of oil is gonna go. We talked about the inventory data last week, and then we recouped all the losses. What matters to us, at least in my opinion, what matters to me is the supply de demand dynamic. How much demand is out there? How much supply is out there? And is more supply coming on? And the answer to that final part is no. The White House is, not, is no longer saying they expect the price per barrel to come down. They are now saying they are blaming OPEC. And OPEC has virtually shunned them uh, and their requests and more production. And they're not increasing US production. Biden, you know, day one, blocked additional drilling on federal lands. In addition, revoked the Keystone XL pipeline. In addition, is making hardcore um, ESG pushes. In addition, has talked carbon tax and recently has talked closing the methane holes on new and existing wells. And new wells, well, with all that we just talked about, who really wants to invest in new production? It, no one, right? They would rather just keep that cash. They're making more money with the price per barrel up. That's a fact. 
Why would they invest in new production when they've got hostile governments and a looming extinction, right? It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. So prices are gonna remain high. Um, supply is gonna remain below demand. For the medium term, it's not, it doesn't seem to me like a short term. It doesn't seem to me like a 30, 40, 50 year issue. Although the EIA does seem to highlight that it will be a 30 year at least issue by anticipating oil being the primary energy source until um, 2050. And after 2050, I guess it'll fall to number two. So things seem, and overall energy consumption increasing 50% between now and then. So bunch of interesting dynamics going on with regards to the price per barrel that I think will continue to let it be up. And it seems to me the stock outperformance today on a day where there could have been some hardcore selling. And if you look at a name like Slumberger, was hardcore selling first thing in the morning and then right into the green before just kind of chilling and on an interesting slope. The price per barrel was down like 4%, but the stock came from down like 2% to up to chilling, okay? To back up again, I believe I uh, didn't check SLB, I checked OIH. OIH came to new session highs after the Fed announcement and oil was not really reacting to the Fed announcement unless my ultimate understanding, if it wasn't inventory data, okay? Because I don't care about the inventory data. It doesn't matter to me. It matters to some people for a day and they forget because they don't matter either, the traders. What matters is the supply and demand in the economy of consumers and producers of energy. What could have been the occurrence today was in fact the expectation that the Fed would announce a tapering and that may have some strengthening of the dollar. Let's remember, if they're tapering, they're no longer printing money to purchase bonds. Um, this will have an effect on the rest of the market. We'll see though, uh, how big of an effect. I don't really wanna predict where the market's gonna go from here right now. Um, we've seen rates come up in the past several weeks. Tech is at an all time high. So I'm questioning, you know, if 1.5 to 1.9 really matters on the 10 year. Obviously, if we get up to 5%, Heck yeah, it's gonna matter. Amazon's not even basically giving you 5%. So we'll see what happens with the bond picture. But you know, right now, if we're gonna be sub two on the 10 year, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not willing to say that's gonna affect tech stocks. The yield picture. Now, potential returns. Do I have mega cap tech? I bought Meta. Um, I've talked about how I like Meta, they are, as far as I'm aware, the leader in the new frontier. We'll see if they can maintain that. Obviously, they don't need to be the number one player in that. For example, Apple is not the number one player in phones. However, we love their products. I'm not talking about the stock, don't own the stock, have shorted the stock. I've heard some very good logic recently by Dan Niles on why to short the stock. It's pricing relative to peers, of which I think are pretty expensive. Obviously, I have a position in Facebook, AKA Meta, but none of the other mega cap techs have been very, just not 
impressed. I had Google, sold Google, unfortunately a little too early. I'm just not interested at these expensive stocks. Um, we have our growth strategy. We'll mention it towards the end of the video. Uh, but that's my, those are my thoughts on rates. Those are my thoughts on the Fed announcements. Not anything crazy happening in Fedland. Obviously maybe it had some BS implications on the oil market because it's, you know, contracts for a thousand barrels of oil or whatever aren't very liquid. So you get paper traders in there from time to time in points of tension and stress making big moves, okay? I don't know if you remember when we got down from like 77 to 62 oil. Go back to those dates, those videos. When we were really down in there a month or two ago, two, two, three months ago maybe it was. When we were really down in there in the price of oil, go watch those videos and listen to the commentary on paper traders. That's kind of the same phenomenon that I think is happening today, obviously in a less extreme way than Delta panic selling. But maybe, you know, same, same strain of behavior. Now, we have one more sector of the market that we like, and that is mining and material stocks. And uh, they had a very, another, like energy, very interesting day today, relatively flat, um, the ones I have, BHP, MP, GOLD. However, on the Fed announcement, they made a rally, and the market made a rally here too. Um, you know, they're not raising rates, but taking out a the largest purchaser in the market will make rates go up. So yeah, I believe if I'm understanding that phenomenon correctly, um, I believe I am understanding that phenomenon correctly. It's, you know, if you had less people buying stocks, stock prices are gonna decline. If you have less people buying bonds, bond prices are gonna decline, AKA rates go up because price yields, etc. Um this is an interesting phenomenon because you would think less printing of money equals less inflation. But something we believe is that the damage has largely been done um, to, to inflation, to money supply. People talk about how you know automation is going to be a deflationary force. We have two reasons why we don't believe this. One being the Ford Model T was you know an eight hundred fifty dollar car. Now the cheapest Ford is 20,000, give or take a little bit of money. Um, however, the assembly line and automation has only improved. So there you go. Automation and inflation can coexist. And, you know, declining birth rates, etc., wealth transfer, um, you know, obviously, and money printing, so there's just a lot of forces that we think will lead to structural inflation. We're not saying it's gonna be an end of the world type of event, and we're not calling for catastrophe. Um, but I think we're seeing that today in the mining stocks with the taper talk, with you know what that implies for the bond market and mining stocks, which we believe are inflation corollary, uh, making a little bit of a rally, something like BHP make, looking like it's making a local double bottom, etc. We still like this area of the market. And finally, we mentioned it before, we'll mention it again, our tech trade, our tech investment, because it's not very much trade, but it becomes a trade very quickly because some of these stocks just run up like crazy. 
We look for fundamental first order thinking technologies we think will have a great impact on society and on the economy. One of which, to give you an example, is our CRISPR companies. Um, CRISPR is a technology that enables you to edit DNA. If you can edit DNA, you can cure all genetic disease. If you can cure all genetic disease, you have quite a large market opportunity if you can cure all genetic disease. That market opportunity is much larger than the current valuation. I would say 10x or greater. The companies are doing very well in the development of this technology. Uh, many of them have had successful trials. There have been some errors, but if you look into the trials and you understand um, how science works and you're not like a vaccine purist, then you might be okay with things. Um, let me clarify that vaccine purist. You know, nothing is 100%. Everything, like, like even AI is not 100%. AI can only get 99.9 .9 continued percent accurate. There you go, okay? I, I hope that is clear, that notion is clear. And that's today's video. Um, feel free to ask questions and hopefully we'll get those red tinted supplies up. Should be soon, we'll see. I apologize, I had one tweet that I put out that like got a two or three likes and 500 link clicks. So is what it is. We'll see what happens. And until next time, peace out.